Hello, City Hope. Man, it's great to see you guys. I want to welcome the Mobile Campus, Foley, Baymanet, and the guys at home, and thanks so much for choosing to worship with us. And I know summer's not officially here, but I think Friday, like, capped it off like 96. So I think that's summer, right? But uh, we love summer around here, uh, and all those people up north, they don't know what they're missing, right? 96 degrees, humidity, 110, all that stuff, yeah. It's great to see you this weekend. And listen, uh, we had a great trip to India, and I want to I show you just a couple of uh, things that you uh, allowed us to do. That's a life center that you built. That's the pastor and his wife and daughter. Uh, City Hope built that, and they're finishing up the construction. We were there to dedicate that facility, and it's in South India, down even beyond Salem. There's the... Uh, the sign there, this life center. It's used during the, in, during the week in a, as a community center and not just a church. And there's a little obstacle in the road. And uh, there's some more obstacles in the road just to show you the traffic there in India. And there's uh, beautiful uh, scenery. And also that is, uh, yeah, that's me uh, playing with a bunch of kids at the orphanage. There's some orphans there in school. And this little lady and her children live in this little hut, and the organization India Gospel League built her a home. This widow and this home, that home is $2,500. And uh, so we're, we're going to get plugged into that. We'll let you know more about that in the future of helping those out. We dedicated that. These people are Hindu, and the, the Christian women there in the community pick out people in the community who need a home. And there's some of the children there at the dedication of the home. And also there's some more traffic. Just uh, behind us, and here they are in the church building, praying over the walls of the building, and that's some of the children there in the church, and there is uh, some of the orphans. There were they have 21 orphanages. This ministry does, so we spent a lot of time with kids. Here we are at one of the leper colonies that we've been to for the last five years. Here's some of the lepers, and uh, you help them every Christmas. You're buying them different things. Uh, pots to carry their water in, mats. This time they've asked for a couple other things. We go around and hand them out little packs of cookies and go around and pray for those who can't come out to the meeting. Uh, there's the meeting out in the general uh, courtyard where we minister. And there's some of your family. I brought pictures back. Uh, I, I know some of you are wondering where they are. There they are. They're in South India. And uh, I saw a lot of your relatives there. I really did. Uh, but anyway, we had a great trip. The India Gospel League is an incredible organization. They've been around over 20 years. Uh, Reverend Sam Stevens is the founder of that. He will be with us sometime this year to minister to you. But they have planted thousands and thousands of churches in this nation. It's just an incredible thing God's doing. So we were blessed to be there and had a wonderful time. And uh, thank you for your prayers. Uh, I, I know it's summer at City Hope. And I wanted to ask you the same question I asked the last group. How many of you would like to speak behind the video of our pastors. Um, no, I didn't think you wanted to. We just want to have a prayer line and pray for them, right? Because they all need help, <laughs> right? Maybe this message will help them. But uh, it's summer at City Hope, and I've enjoyed the message from Trey on Paul, and then Josh's message on chickens. Well, really it was Jonah, but that's all I've got is chickens out of everybody that he's a chicken pastor. I mean, he's a pastor scared of chickens. So anyway, so in planning this for the summer, you know, they were telling me all the little details and things and, and this road trip has been described to you. So I have to say this, and I'm going to go back 
to this. This was about 30 years ago, and, and I may not have all the details right, but my wife will give me all the details later. But we, we, uh, our boys were like six and four, and she was expecting Melanie. My parents lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and so they said, hey, come out and uh, spend some time with us, the first two boys, two grandsons, so my dad was excited. So we get out there, we fly out, and then there's, dad has this new RV, and it's his first RV, and so we're going to take a trip. He's got it all planned. We're going to go over to Five Corners, and we're going to come back around. We're going to end up at the Grand Canyon. So we step into this new RV, and there's, there's a, like a throw rug here, and you step in, and there's another rug here and another rug here. All the seats, he, he went and bought towels, brown towels, and he had pinned all the towels to cover all the seats. And, and so the whole trip, the boys, you know, don't touch that. You can't eat that. Don't drink that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Can't. No, no. And, and Jerry was uh, expecting and the roads and the mountains and she was sick. And it was, I hate to say it this way, but it was the vacation from hell. <laughs> it's, it's logged in my mind. And so we reach our destination. Now, listen, we've been eating in this RV. You know, Dad's got it planned. We've got all the food. We're eating the bologna sandwiches, the whole thing. We get to the Grand Canyon, and we weren't really paying any attention to the Grand Canyon because there at the very top, they have this real nice restaurant, and we're going to go eat at the restaurant because we're tired of RV food inside. And Dad, he, you know, no, 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 no. We're going to eat here. So we left Dad in the RV. We all went and got a hot meal. Now, I know you're wondering how that fits into this message, and I had to ask God, how, how does this fit in the message? Because while I was in India, uh, even before I left, I told the guys, I said, listen, here's the character I want to do uh, on, on my time to speak on a character, and then over there, I got another idea, and I'm going to do it on this guy, so I wrote a whole message on that guy, and then I get back, and this week, Thursday night, I had the privilege of speaking at the camp and preparing for camp, and God said, no, I want you to do this, so this is what I'm doing, this message, and so I, I I know it's from God, and I know it's, it's God's going to tie this little story, this vacation back in. I'll do it at the end. You'll see how it fits in. Today, I want to talk about the rich young ruler. You, you've heard of him in the Bible, right? The reason he's called the rich young ruler is because Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all record he's rich, and then Matthew also says he was young. Luke records he's a ruler. Some Bible scholars believe they know who this guy is, and we'll talk about that at the end of the message. So what did the rich young ruler learn from his encounter with Jesus? Well, there's three things. Here's the first one. He learned good is not good enough. Mark 10, 17. Now, as he, Jesus, was going on the road, one came running and knelt before him. This is the rich young ruler. And asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? What do I do so I can make sure I go to heaven? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. So this guy, his focus is on being good, doing enough good things to get to heaven. And, and, and by the way, that's what many people think today. They, they think, you know, that, that's what religion is. You know, you do more good things than bad things. You ask the average person on the street, how do you get to heaven? And it's going to be, well, you be, be good. And that's not the way you get to heaven. And that's why Jesus responds immediately with a statement that a lot of people misunderstand this statement. Don't call me good. There's only one good, and that's God. And that's kind of like, well, that's a pretty blunt statement. But you see, we all know Jesus is God, and why would he make this statement? Because the rich young ruler runs up to him and says, what do I have to do? What good thing must I do to go to heaven? And Jesus, in the back of his mind, is thinking, okay, just a second. There's only one good. God is the only one good enough to live in heaven. 
Good is not good enough. You, no matter how good you are, it's not good enough to live in heaven. Doesn't mean we shouldn't do good. Doesn't mean we shouldn't teach our children to do good. But when you became a believer, you are saved to good works, not by good works. And God wants us to do good things, but th- that's, it's not good enough to get you to heaven. So this guy, this rich young ruler, he's thinking down these lines of being good enough. So Jesus is thinking, I'm going to let him go down the line. And so the next verse, he, Jesus says back to him, hey, do you know the commandments? Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, I know all these, I have kept them from my youth. Now you didn't have time to count, but if I ask you how many commandments did Jesus list, he listed six. He left out four. Well, was Jesus having a bad day, forgot the other four, just, you know, what is it? No, 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 he purposely named six. And, 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 and because the first four that he left out had to do with a relationship with God, the last six he mentioned has to do with a relationship with people. And so he only named the ones about the relationship with people. He didn't name the commandments that had to do with God because he knew that this young man could not have said, I kept them all. Well, how did Jesus know that? Because he knew his heart. What was in this man's heart? In this man's heart, his heart was all about possessions and wealth and money. So the first thing he learned from this encounter is it doesn't matter how good you are because you're never good enough to get into heaven. Second thing he learned is God requires total commitment. Jesus said, do you know the commandments? Oh, yes, I've done all of them. Then Jesus said, well, there's one, one, one thing you lack. That's one more thing you need to do. Now, when this guy hears this, he thinks, all right, this is it. One more thing. I've got all this. I've got all the I's dotted and the T's crossed. I, I've got it all put together. Just one more. Tell me what that is. And, and that's what religion says. Do more good than bad things. Christianity, though, is not a religion. It's it's based on a relationship with God. Every religion in the world is based on works. Christianity is based on grace. And Jesus said, well, if you want to know what this one thing you lack, when, when he said one thing, the guy's probably thinking, okay, I got this one thing. So here it is, verse 21. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack. Get, go, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come and take up your cross and follow me. Now, let me just ask you this, and I know you're going to give me the church answer because you're in church. Would you give up everything to go to heaven? Okay, let me, let me do this. You either go to hell or heaven. There's two places. So would you give up everything to go to heaven? Not a hard question, but would you give up everything to go to heaven and stay out of hell? Okay, that, that's the church answer, yes. That, that's the right answer, okay? But are you? And it's amazing who people say, oh, I'm 100% in on God. And yet they gripe about tithing. Or they control their giving. They ignore the 10%. People say, oh, I've given everything to God. God wants how much back? 10%? Are you kidding me? See, God requires total commitment. This is what he told this guy. And it's no different than what he told anyone else. What he told this guy was the exact thing every person has to do to get saved. Now I'm going to ask you this question. Don't answer it out loud because you'll get it wrong. Did he tell this guy to sell everything to go to heaven? No, he didn't. Look at the verse again. Go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you have treasure in heaven. It's a whole different phrase. And come, take up the cross and follow me. Here's what he's saying. Mr. Rich, young ruler, do you want to know how to get to heaven? Take up the cross and follow me. But what is keeping you, sir, from taking up your cross and following me are your possessions. They're in front of me. They've become an idol to you. And the way you get to heaven is you take up the cross and you follow me. So you have to get rid of whatever it is stopping you from following Jesus with all your heart. In this man's life, it was his possessions. 
And every person gets saved the same way. Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross, and follow me. Now, in this story, selling everything, getting rid of everything, that was the easy part of the story. Jesus is saying, are you willing to die to your will? That's a painful death, to give up your will so that you can go to heaven. And it's the same for every person. And some say, well, I'm glad I'm I'm not the rich young ruler because he had to sell everything to go to heaven. No, every person has to be totally committed to God to go to heaven. God requires the same commitment out of every person. He wants you totally committed to him. So here's what he's learned. Okay, good enough, I can't be good enough. And secondly, I have to be totally committed. Here's the third thing he loved. He learned meeting with Jesus. Jesus totally loved him. Look at the verse 21 again. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him, said to him, one thing you lack. He loved him. God, God loves everyone. He loved him enough to tell him the truth, to confront him in this area. He, he loved him enough to tell him, hey, there's, there's only one way to get to heaven, and that's by being totally committed. And, and, and there's something stopping you, sir, and I'm telling you what it is because I want you to be totally committed. See, we have a misconception that, that, and that we've heard this story like this. He had to sell everything to get saved. Another misconception is the Bible doesn't say he didn't do it, but that's, what we, that's our assumption. Most of you who have looked at this, we just well, he didn't do it. He just walked off. The Bible only says he went off sad. Many theologians believe they know who this man is. The rich young ruler calls Jesus teacher, and he uses a different word for teacher than anyone else who has a conversation with Jesus. And there's only one other person who used that same word. So most scholars believe that this guy is the same guy as Nicodemus. You know, Nicodemus, and he's the guy that came to Jesus by night sneaking around, and Jesus said, oh, you got to be born again? But something did happen to Nicodemus. But most believe the rich young ruler and Nicodemus are the same person. And, and Nicodemus, uh, something happened in his life because in John 7, he defends Jesus to the Sanhedrin court. He is a member of the Sanhedrin court, the youngest ruler to ever be on the Sanhedrin court. And he defends him. And, and later he's kicked off the Sanhedrin because he, he, he defended him. In John 19, he shows up when Jesus dies with spices to embalm his body. His full name was Nicodemus Ben-Glorian. He has a famous brother by the name of Josephus. Josephus documented all the history during this time. He was a famous historian of that day. Josephus in his books talks about his brother Nicodemus. And he says he was the wealthiest man of all Israel. That he had enough money to run the entire country for 10 years. He also said that the young, he was referred to as the youngest ruler the Sanhedrin ever had. The court, the members of the court referred to him as the richest, youngest ruler ever in Israel. Another reason that they believe Nicodemus is the, is, is the rich, young ruler is Nicodemus, he sold everything he had and gave it to the poor. He spent the last 30 years of his life living with friends because he didn't have any money. And guess who his best friend was? A guy named Joseph from a place called Arimathea. Yeah, Nicodemus shows up, helps Joseph of Arimathea and bomb Jesus and put him in a borrowed tomb. Well, why, why, why did, I mean, he, he's the richest guy in Israel. Why, why, why did he have to borrow a tomb? Well, he sold everything. He had to talk Joseph into letting someone borrow this tomb. He says, it's a good deal. You only use it three days. Practically used. You get it right back. You can use it again. <laughs> no, no, no one knows, but when you read history, it's very, very possible that he did sell everything. And here's why he did it. Nicodemus the rich young ruler because he wanted Jesus more. The story of Nicodemus goes like this, John 3, 1. 
There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He's on the Sanhedrin court. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with you. What drew his attention to Jesus were the signs that he saw him doing. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Now, this is the first time the term born again has ever been used. Nicodemus comes up and says, hey, I think you're a teacher from God. I've been following you. The signs are incredible. You're from God. I I, I believe in you. And and Jesus, he doesn't take that as the compliment. He just turns it right around and says, unless you're born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. In other words, unless you're born again, you're going to hell. Nicodemus never heard that term born again. He he asked the question you and I would ask in John 3 and 4. How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time to his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. That, that water there is not referring to water baptism. There are some who bank everything on that. It's not, because that's not the context of the conversation. He said, you must be born again. He says, Nicodemus says, well, how, how can I enter the second time into the mother's womb? The water there is the womb of water. How can I get back into the womb of water and be born again? Jesus said, listen, unless you're born of water first, you've you got to have the natural birth to get here, and then you have to have the spiritual birth to be saved or enter into the kingdom of God. In verse 6, he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit, and don't marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. It's not a good ideal, Jesus says. It's not a suggestion. It's not just some little something to put on your bucket list. You must be born again. You've been born in the natural, you must be born again in the spiritual. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you're born wrong the first time with a sin nature. You must be born again, or from the Greek it means born by the Spirit of God. Now, this is an amazing story. Let me tell you why Nicodemus, this story is is, is incredible. Here's why. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Now, we give Pharisees a hard time, but they, they were the most conservative theologians of the day. They believed in the inerrancy of the Word of God, and they fought for the Word of God. They believed in following the Word of God precisely. They memorized the Word of God. They wore phylacteries on their forehead and on their arms and around their waist, a little black box that had all the scriptures they had memorized in those, and they they wore it on their bodies. And in order to be a Pharisee, you had to memorize the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That doesn't impress you because I'm sure you did that by the time you were in the sixth grade. But, but to be a Pharisee, you had to know these. So watch, here, here's what makes this story incredible. Nicodemus has memorized Scripture, not only the, the first five books of the Bible, he prayed three times a day, he fasted twice a week. Some of us fast twice a week. It's between our snack and our meal. We, we fast that time. But, but he, he really fasted twice, tw- twice a day, and, and he tithed, and he went to church. Jesus said to a man like this, you're going to hell unless you're born again. Nicodemus went to church. He prayed. He fasted. He tithed to the temple that he attended, not sent it off to somewhere else, but where he's being fed. He memorized scriptures. He says he even believes in God, the true God, Jehovah God, not some false God, not some Eastern God, the true God. And, and, And Jesus said, but you're not going to heaven unless you're born again. This Nicodemus went to church, he prayed, he fasted, he, he tied, he memorized scriptures, he believed in God, and he said to Jesus, I also believe in you. He said, I believe in you. I believe that you really came from God. I've been watching the signs and what's going on. It's incredible. Nicodemus said, I believe in you. And Jesus said, you're not going to heaven unless you're born again. Well, wait a minute, pastor. Doesn't the Bible say believe in Jesus and I go to heaven? 
In America, there are a lot of people who believe in Jesus but never give him control. They never give him lordship of their lives. They never transfer the ownership. All of us were born in a sin nature. And when you are, you are born into that sin nature and the prince of darkness is controlling your life. If you're living your life that way, you know, then then Satan is influencing your decisions. But when you come to the place and say, you know, I don't want to serve Satan. I don't want to serve my will anymore. I want to give my life totally to Jesus. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying that's the one thing you lack. Unless you are born again, you're not going to heaven. And then Jesus describes how many people are going to heaven in Matthew 7, 13. Jesus said they're going to enter by this narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Destruction doesn't sound like heaven. That sounds like hell to me. And and there are many who are going into that gate, the destruction gate, but narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. That sounds like heaven to me, not hell. And and there are few who find it. So the wide gate leads to destruction and that's got to be hell. And what did Jesus say? How many people, what term did he use that many, how many people are going on that road? He said, many. And then the other road is the narrow road that represents heaven, life. And he said, there's few going there. So is many more than or less than few? Well, it's more than. So according to Jesus, more people are going to go to hell than to heaven. And here's what I believe. And this is the reason I feel like the Father is impressing this, change this message for this weekend for you. I believe many people believe they're a Christian and going to heaven, but you've never had a born-again experience. You say, well, Pastor, that's, that's kind of bold for you to jump out that. Isn't that being judgmental? No, according to the Scripture, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves as whether you're in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not know yourself that Jesus Christ is in you? So here's why it's so important. Look at me. We're basing all eternity on our salvation experience. We get 70, 80 years here. But all eternity, we're basing on our salvation being born again. Not just going to church, not memorizing scripture, not serving, not tithing, not not believing in the true God. Oh yeah, I believe in the true God. No, it's it's based on being born again is the only way I'm going to get to heaven. And listen to me. You may be in perfect health, but you're still dying. We've had several... Uh, uh, reports in the last few months of some incredible miracles of healings and things in our people you may have received a healing in the last month or three months of the last year but you're still dying because you're a spirit and you possess a soul you live in a body your spirit's going to live somewhere anything god creates that's living lives forever so your spirit is going to live in one or two places and you make that choice god won't make the choice for you it's your will to decide So that's why it's so important. So when I ask you, have you had the born-again experience? I've had people answer, well, yeah, I guess, I don't know. You know, my parents raised me in church, and there was all this pressure, and then I was eight years old, and the pastor gave an invitation, and and, and my parents turned to me and said, listen, if you'll go accept Jesus Christ, you go to heaven. If you don't, you're going to go to hell. What do you want to (laughs) do? Duh. Or like one person said, you know, well, I, I went to church, I knew all the wrong things, I knew all the right things, and I kept putting pressure on myself, and as long as I kept the pressure on myself and went to church and attended church and did that, if I ever let the pressure off, i go right back to doing the wrong thing. Here's the reason we're so confused about the born-again experience in America is because we're so religious. America is the only country where you have to talk people into being lost before you get them saved. <laughs> that leper colony, I've been to it second time there's 60 
the, the, the five, uh, five years ago, there were 400 lepers. Now there's 200. They're dying off. One died the morning we were there. Here, here's what I said. I, I, I talked to him five minutes about Jesus through an interpreter. How many want to receive Jesus Christ? There's 20 hands went up. I didn't have to talk them into it. They, they have nothing. But I told them about Jesus and loved them. I told them about a miracle that he did. And, 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 and see, we grew up in a Christian country. And we, we, all, yeah, we all know, yeah, we know God. Oh, yeah, we know all about Jesus. But has your life changed? See, if you go back and mark where you became born again, if life didn't change, I, I'm wondering, are you born again? If there's still bad fruit attached to it, I, I'm wondering, are you born again? You know, some say, well, you know, I will say when I was eight, but I didn't understand. I didn't grow. I didn't read my Bible. didn't grow. I got in high school. did some things wrong. I got in college. did some things wrong. did some simple things. Then I rededicated my life, and everything's fine. No, 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 no. That's not fine because that's, that's not a biblical testimony. That's not in the Bible. Here's what you just said, if that's you. And I've had people tell me that. You're saying, I got saved, but I didn't change. I got saved, but I didn't change. And, and here's, here's what I see. I, I see this in our nation because we live in such an incredible nation and we're so familiar with things and we're so, we're, 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 we're so familiar with Jesus. It's kind of like the flu shot. You know what the flu shot is, right? It's a little bit of the flu. So you take the shot, they put it in you, and then your system just, it's tricked into thinking you're getting the flu. So your immune system kicks in and does all this stuff. And, and, and so if you do get the flu, supposedly it's going to be built up strong enough to defeat the flu. I, 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 I really believe, I, I just wonder how many people have had just a little bit of Jesus. Because we're in the Bible Belt, and we went to church, and we went to that church, and this church, and that church, and we're so proud of the denomination we grew up in, and, and we know this, and we know that, and we've been tricked into thinking, well, I'm a Christian because I went to church, I went to Sunday school, I did all this, and I'm going to heaven. But if there's not total commitment, you, you, you may not be born again. If there's not total commitment, you may not be born again. So, so here's what I want you to see. To say I'm saved, but I didn't change doesn't line up with Scripture. Now, there's an Old Testament scripture, and it's, it's talking about the church. It, it's, it's a type and a shadow of the church in the Old Testament. It's in Hosea chapter 9, verse 11. As for Ephraim, Ephraim is a type of the church in the Old Testament. Their glory shall fly away like a bird, no birth, no pregnancy, and no conception. So the, the prophet is saying one day the glory is going to depart from the church. And guess what? If you know church history, that happened. When he said it, when he says this happens, there'll be no birth. There'll be no, that word birth means salvation. There'll be no salvations. There's no pregnancy. There's no conception. There's nothing going on. There's no born again. And when the church goes into this mode, and it did, it started when the Bibles were taken out of the hands of people, put in the hands of priests. And then the church becomes a government, it's, it's controlled by the government, and, 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 it, and it happened for hundreds of years. And when that happened, there will be no people getting saved, no people being, being in the process of being saved. There's no, there's no seed being sown, there's no conception, there's the, people can't come to birth. Here's what I'm saying, the glory left the church hundreds of years ago, and therefore the church is messed up. We're the church. What, what do you mean we're messed up? Because the church in America has not preached the gospel that says you can be saved and not change. It's projecting a message you can be saved but not change. You can live the same way and nothing changes. I'm sorry, that's not true. Here's why. Because when you're born again, your life changes. If you were bearing bad fruit, you're going to start bearing good fruit. And, and listen, let me tell you what happens when you become born again. The Son of God comes inside of your life and God imparts His Spirit there. 
So if I am born again and the Spirit of God is inside of me, something should be different. If the creator of the universe is going to live inside of me, I should think different and act different. Yes, I have to go through transformation. Yes, I have to renew my mind. Yes, I have to do all those things. But if I went forward and I said a prayer, if I filled out a card, if I did all those things and I said, okay, I got health, I I got heaven insurance, I'm going to heaven and nothing's changed, I have to say, you have to really look and ask the Holy Spirit, am I born again? You need to wonder, are you saved? And you see, it, it, it's so simple. You've seen the illustrations before. It's just really, I just use this water bottle, okay? When, when you're in that sin nature, you're born, you're, you're going this direction. You're going to hell. Y'all are in hell, by the way. You're, you're going to hell. <laughs> when I accept Jesus Christ, I'm a new creature. My spirit is new. My, I'm, I'm going to get a new body, but my spirit's brand new, and my soul is being transformed. It's being saved. But I'm not going that way anymore. I'm going up. This is heaven over here. Yeah. My wife's over here in heaven. So it's heaven over here. I'm telling you. Ain't no way I'm going to say that one's hell over there. Okay. That's it. All you out here in the middle, I don't know. Where are you going? Okay. Just kidding. Most preaching puts salvation, puts, on, on salvation puts the responsibility of change on you. And that bothers me because really the responsibility of change is on God. My responsibility is to accept God, to invite God in. And, and so l- l- let me show you what happens when you invite God in. Because when you're born again, here's what happens. Number one, you're born again is when God makes you clean. You, you cannot clean up inside. You, you cannot cleanse yourself from the idols. That you can clean up on the outside and you look good and you smell good. All that, but you can't do it on the inside. You cannot clean up your soulish filthiness. That's what happens when you're born again. Number two, you're born again is when God gives you a new heart. Your heart is full of your desires. When you're born again, he gives you a new heart that's full of God's desires. See, if if, if you still live by your desires, you you may not be born again. God changes your want-tos. When God saves you, he changes your desires. Listen, if I let my, and listen, sometimes my desires do overrule. But if I listen to my desires, I'm not going to fulfill what he's called me to do. And there's times where I, my desire is not to go to India and preach to pastors and teach pastors. My desire is not to go and do this and do this. But when I do it, I'm doing his desire. When I do his desire, he uses me to help somebody else, and he blesses me because I'm following his desire. Why? Because I'm not here for me. I'm here for him. I'm not here for just to, just to build a name or a church. I'm here for the kingdom of God. I'm here to see people saved. I'm here to see people healed and delivered and set free. That's what God's called us to do. But if I listen to my own desire, I probably won't do a lot of that. I'll become satisfied and sit back and, and prop it up. I, I can't do that. So thirdly, when I'm born again, is God puts his spirit in me. What does that mean? Now I have the power to do the right things. Born again. Has that happened to you? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you if you're truly saved. Did did you just walk the aisle? Did you say just this prayer, but you never changed? You have to be honest. Yes, you know Jesus died for you, but, but the question is, if you died tonight, do you know you'd go to heaven? 
Listen, I, I want to tell you this, and I, Mobile Campus, I hope you're okay with this. I hope it's not too premature and, and too raw. But we have a couple at our Mobile Campus, a beautiful couple. Pastor Chris married him three months ago, and he's 27 years old. He's an EMT, and suddenly got sick and suddenly died. I was at the, I was at the funeral yesterday, just hundreds and hundreds of people, incredible testimony this guy but here's what i want to tell you so before the weeks before the service so i go and i see Haley there the, the wife she's a widow now but married three months and i'm watching her and i'm thinking wow and, and josh was standing by me i said josh that's Haley, right yeah the peace of god on that lady 26 27 years old when people were greeting her, helping and wanting to say, she was just like ministering. When, when I got to her, I said, Haley, I am so sorry for your loss. Before I could get it out of my mouth, she said, oh, but I know where James is. I know where he is. The joy, the peace she had. Yes, she suffered loss. But you understand, to know that you know where you're going to be and where you're going to live, it's all based on being born again. And you can't leave this in the gray area. You need to know that you know that you know that you're born again. Not only for your peace, but for your family's peace. Because, I mean, come on, you, you, you have to be honest. You've never been to a funeral where the, guy, where the pastor said that he's in hell. <laughs> he busted it wide open. <laughs> You've never heard that. We, we, we don't want to do that. But everybody that dies doesn't go to heaven Everybody that dies doesn't know. Jesus said more are going to go, go the other way. So you, you need to know. And listen, Satan is a deceiver in this area. He makes you think you got saved and you don't know it. The creator of the universe came into your life and you don't know it. It's a lie. And listen, fathers, listen, mothers, you're not here by accident. God loves you. He gave his son for you. But he wants you to be totally changed. And here's the good news. In, in fact... It's not good news unless you know the bad news first. So here's the bad news of this message. You can't be good enough. You can't be nice enough. You can't give enough. The good news is Jesus still loves you regardless. So how do I get from the bad news to the good news? The the one thing you lack, the, the one thing you lack, being born again what is that one thing that's keeping you from total commitment are you just soothing your conscience by going to church or are you, are you just scratching the itch by serving are you just doing it? but what is the one jesus said to nicodemus hey you, you're gonna if you're gonna follow me you're gonna be totally committed and there's one thing that's keeping you and according to history he he, he did it See, here, here's the deal. I could take a poll right now, and I think I'd be right. Pe- most people want to go to heaven. I mean, there's some people that are off a little bit. They don't want to, but most people want to go to heaven. And most people still want to run their own lives. Most people want to be in control of their lives. And if you're not going to submit your will to the Lordship of Christ, I I'm not sure if you're going to heaven. Yeah, but pastor, I believe. Yeah, Satan believes. In fact, he believes more than all of us. In fact, he believes so much he's, he's never doubted because he's a created angel that was kicked out. And, and, and listen, and here's why he'll never go to heaven because he won't submit his will to the lordship of Christ. 
If there's a doubt in your mind, why not take care of it this weekend? Let me go back to the story of the vacation from hell. Here's how I see it fitting in. We're all on a journey. We all have a destination. And I see this RV as being the church you grew up in or another church you went to or you're one of those famous church hoppers and you've been to a dozen churches. And every RV has a different set of rules, even theological things. Do this, don't do this, don't do that, do this. And even though you're, you're in the RV, you're on a destination, but you've got all these rules and you're trying to live up to them and do them right, the journey, you're miserable. Could it be you're not born again? Because I promise you this, when you're born again and you see Jesus for who he is in your life, all those RVs, they don't mean anything to you anymore because it's all about Jesus. He didn't create denominations. Man did. It's all about, when it's all about Jesus, all those rules falls aside. Why? Because it's just like Nicodemus. He got rid of all that stuff because it was a, hindering, a hindrance to him. God told him to, to do it. He did it. Why? Because he wanted to be more like Jesus. I'm asking you today to be saved. Is there, and, and is there any reason when it's so good, it's so free, it's a gift, is there any reason not to receive the gift. I want your destination to be heaven. But I don't want to stand in front of God and say, and God say, you, you, you never really challenged their salvation. So, if you will, I'd like to close this service a little different. I'm going to ask you not to leave for about three minutes. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes and not look around the room. The campus is also. I want every person at every campus to have just a moment alone with God. Just get your focus on God for a minute. And I know some people, they come to church and they make commitments to come to church and serve and tithe, but you won't do it for very long if you haven't committed your life to Jesus. You're in and you're out. And here's why. He's the only one that can change your heart. But he has to have your will. You have to submit your will before he can change your heart. And what I'm asking you, City Hope Church, is if this fits you to make a total commitment, if that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to lead a prayer. I want everyone to pray this prayer out loud. And and if if, if you know you really need to totally commit or even if it's a recommitment, or, or if, you're not, if you're doubting your salvation, I want you to pray this prayer with me. So church, boldly repeat this prayer from your heart with your eyes closed. Dear Father, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe Jesus died for my sins. And I receive Jesus today as my Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, take my sins and become Lord of my life. And I thank you 
for saving me today. Now, if you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer, if you gave your will to God, whether it's the first time or you're doubting, but you know that you prayed that prayer, that you have been born again, would you raise your hand? Hands all over the room. Thank you. Now look at me. I want you to do one more thing for me. This may be the harder thing. In a moment, a pastor is going to come right behind me, and they're, they're going to have you stand. They're going to dismiss. When he dismisses, I'll, if you raised your hand, I want you to come to one of our leaders in the front because they want to pray for you. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell the leader that you come to, I just gave my life to Christ. I just committed my life to Christ. You say, well, well Pastor, why, why do I need to do that? The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. Jesus said, if you'll confess me before people, I'll confess you before my Father. It should be something that you want to do because now you're a child of God. Now you know where you'll spend eternity. And you ought to do it because you should be proud that you're a child of God. And leaders, we need every leader to come because at every campus, the altars have been full of people making sure for the first time, recommitting whatever they're doing. But I challenge you today, I challenge you today to come forward.